Yeah, you, you said pain. You know, pain is inescapable. It's unavoidable. It's part of the human condition. Which pain do you want? Do you want the pain of living an unfulfilled life and dying an unfulfilled death? I don't want that pain. I'll take the pain of waking up early, eating right, and working out. That's really all it is. That's all it is. That's all you have to do. If you do those three things, you are not able to do anything else. But people mm -hmm. want to rationalize and justify their actions. And they want to go halfway and not all in. And I don't really, I don't want to do that. So then they end up fucking themselves because they only did it halfway. And then they think they can't change. They've convinced themselves that there's something wrong with them. No, there's something wrong with what you're doing. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Intelligent Conversations podcast. Today, I have the honor to learn from John Katz. John is a personal coach for Foodways Coaching. He helps people get honest with themselves and make real change occur. After overcoming many challenges himself, he uses those personal experiences to encourage others to be vulnerable and come to terms with reality. John was fantastic on this episode. You can just tell the way he speaks. He loves honesty and he just wants to be honest with people. He wants to tell the truth. He seeks the truth. So, yeah, uh, I guess without further ado, let's welcome John Katz to the show. Awesome. I, I Like I said, I'm so excited just to have you on. I mean, what initially drew me to you was the challenges that you overcame and then how you just did like almost a 360 <laughs> in your life. How did you just manage to just wake up one day and say, you know what, like, I'm going to actually take some ownership here and I stopped making life. excuses. You know, I, I just, I had all the reasons. Everyone has reasons, but a lot of people trade those reasons for excuses. And a lot of people decide that those reasons for being in a low position are enough to keep them there. And I just had enough. And I just, one day I realized it was, it was a matter of life or death. And I decided that the reasons were no longer going to be my excuses for staying where I was. And so I elevated out of that situation very quickly. I mean, you're, What's so cool, though, about what you do is you're just so vulnerable, too. <laughs> like, you shared some pretty heavy stuff, I mean, just even on your Podmatch profile that I was like, whoa, most people are not willing to share that. And, I mean, you yeah, are, it comes from you, ego. People are afraid. So the egoic mind operates from fear. And that is a fear that they're going to be judged. But what the egoic mind doesn't understand is that they're judging themselves. In refusing to be open, you're already passing a judgment on yourself that what you are refusing to be open about is not worthy of being viewed or is somehow going to cause you pain or judgment or whatever. So you're already self-judging about what you think other people will judge you on. And then you end up being closed and hidden and essentially in denial because anyone that isn't in denial is willing to be open about their pain and open about their struggle and every single person on earth has gone through something the only mm -hmm. differentiator is the openness they're willing to speak about it and those of us that are willing to be open about our past struggles and our past pain have clearly demonstrated that we move past it it's only the the afraid scared individual that hasn't healed that isn't willing to speak about it and isn't willing to be open about what they've been through because they're afraid. You know, people want things from others, namely to be accepted. But what they understand, what they don't understand is that in rejecting that part of themselves, they'll never be accepted by others. And that's, that's the thing that I just loved. I watched your video on not hiding or whatever on your YouTube channel. And I thought it was just phenomenal. And especially your point where you said that we 
we tend to like once we've overcome the challenge we have no problem sharing it because it's like we we've overcome it and it's easy to talk about it because we actually decided to sit down and make the change ourselves whereas when we're actually in like facing the problem as it is it's hard to be vulnerable about it and say hey like i'm facing these problems right now and how, like how do i deal with that and this is something i want to get your thoughts on cuz i mean I, I, I'm sure I have problems too, and I'm working through those, but it's, when is the right time to ask for help, like from other people or to just, you know, kind of do it yourself? Because that's something I find myself having hard time with is I'll sometimes go out and I'm like, no, I just, I just need to do this myself, suck it up. And then other times people will come to me and say, look, like if you need help, like we're willing to help. And I, I tend to push that away. How would you kind of well, it's about the results garnered from each approach. So if in attempting to heal your pain, you are getting the results you desire. So if you have struggles with mental health, anxiety, depression, whatever it is, and you're processing that on your own and those issues are resolving because of your efforts, well, then you found the right tactic. But if you don't have those results and I didn't have those results, I had to find someone that had the results I desired and ask them for help. And in asking someone for help that had the results I desired, I simply had to mimic what they did, what worked for them. And then that ended up working for me. But if the person that is being asked for help doesn't have the results, then if you ask them for help, you're going to get their results. And the, the, the people that are the most full of shit are the ones who preach something that they haven't done. So they're going to give you advice and say, Josh, I can help you in this manner. So let's say you want to get fit and you talk to someone who's overweight how on earth are they going to help you? Or if you talk to someone that has clear mental health issues, how on earth are they going to help you? They haven't done it. So my response to that is ask for help when the person you are asking for help from has the results you desire. If they don't have the results you desire, you're going to be asking for something that they haven't done. And if you can figure mm -hmm. it out yourself and you have results in figuring it out yourself, then God bless, go ahead and do that. But most people can't. Most people wouldn't be in pain and be able to do it themselves. If they were in pain and be able to do it themselves, well, then they wouldn't be in pain anymore. They would just have healed themselves. I like that. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I, yeah, like I said, it's something I, I definitely struggle with as well as I, I tend to just be like, I'll throw myself even to something I don't like really know or understand. Like, especially, so I like, I do this and then I do other, like, I just am fascinated by trying new things and like, let's just take an example. I threw myself to just try and learn to code. Nothing. It was hard. Like, and it's still difficult. Like, the more I'm learning about it, the more difficult it becomes. <laughs> and, but anyway, to get to that, uh, to get to the point, what I found is almost just having a patience with yourself. Like, hey, the results aren't going to happen overnight. Like, you're not just going to wake up one day and bam, you have this new skill that you've been always wanting. That's the biggest thing. People are obsessed with the result and they aren't obsessed with the process that it takes to get the result. If you're attached to the process, if you're attached to the habit, if you're attached to the system that underlies all results, then whether you get the result in one week, one month, one year, or one decade, doesn't matter. You're attached to the process. You're not worried about the outcome. If you're worried about the outcome and the result, then you're going to be attached to that and you'll never take the steps necessary to get there. That's mindset training, is thinking that, that. that we are somehow deserving of waking up with this new skill set when we haven't put in the effort in order to get there. And it isn't even the effort in order to get there. It's the effort in order to build the ability to put forth effort. And once you do that, you can be good at anything because then you don't worry about the time frame. You don't worry about the timeline it takes to get there. Exactly. And yeah, 
like I said, it, it's it's hard to come to terms with that because especially in this world where everything's so instant, it's it's hard to uh, find that patience. So I'm curious, how do you how do you kind of I guess shift like asking you here, how would how did you shift your habits from maybe habits that you didn't desire to habits you did want? And maybe what were some of those habits? The pain of staying the same was greater than the potential perceived pain of changing. But people, this is something else that people don't get is they are so comfortable in their pain. They think that somehow acquiring new habits is going to be more uncomfortable than staying in the pain they know. So when I was sick of being obese, uh, anxious, depressed, low earning, thinking about killing myself, like when I was sick of that, I said, it doesn't matter how uncomfortable I have to be to learn how to work out, to learn how to eat right, to learn how to weigh my food and to track my macros, to learn how to post, to learn how to be abundant. And it's through habitual construction. We habitually construct an individual through our actions. So everyone listening or watching, if you are overweight, it's because you've constructed an individual that overeats. If you have resentments, it's because you've constructed an individual that hasn't learned how to let go. So if you want to adopt new habits, you have to construct an individual that has new habits. And you do that by not by adding anything. I essentially stripped everything away from my life. I stopped going out to bars and clubs. I stopped using substances that hurt me. I stopped uh, not caring about the way I moved through life. I stopped talking to people in a manner that was taking from them and not giving to them. And in removing all of these things, all I had left was positive habits. I had the early wake up. I had intentional nutrition. I had daily physical exercise. These non-negotiable traits, these habits that allowed me to proceed in a manner that constructed a new individual in the shell of the old one, an individual that had completely different habits. I'm, I'm curious, what was the reaction like maybe from loved ones, from family, when you undergone, went under that change? Like, was it so positive? Pe people in one's life will react in one of two ways when you begin to change. Your change will either threaten them and make them feel bad because they aren't changing as well and they want to keep you at their level or your change will inspire them and they'll think of you in a positive manner because they want, they understand accurately that they can't be doing well if you aren't doing well and in your elevation, you're actually going to elevate them. So it was split. You know, there are a lot of people mm -hmm. that I don't speak to anymore in my social circle. Uh, my family members mixed, you know. My folks supported me because they knew how depressed I was or they realized how and anxious and, and horrible, you know, they knew about the breakup, yeah. a lot of issues that, that I had gone through. They didn't know how much I was suffering until after I started healing and I was able to speak about how badly I was suffering. You know, when I was in the, in the pit of darkness and depression, I wasn't speaking about it. Um, and then some of my family members felt threatened. They, they didn't understand why. But really, it's just when we vibrate negatively with what somebody else is doing, it's for one of two reasons. It's we stopped doing that or it brings something up in us that we don't like. So when I see someone breaking their word, it makes me upset because we hate on what we gave up on. So I used to break my word regularly and it makes me vibrate in a way that is negative. So I think, wow, that dude sucks. He breaks his word. If I mm -hmm. see someone 
losing control and screaming, I used to have really bad rage problems um, and inability to control my emotions. It makes me vibrate a certain way because it represents the person I no longer was, something I stopped doing. So if you change or if I change and someone seeks to hate on that, it's because that person refuses to change. It brings something out of them that makes them feel uncomfortable with something they aren't doing or stopped doing. It's true. We're, we're almost more aware of our, like we're, we're aware of our own problems. And then when we see it in other people, it kind of, I guess, gives that feeling of, oh, like maybe we're, you know, we're the same, like we're, we're undergoing like similar challenges, but then when they overcome them, then it, yeah, like you said, it kind of, I don't know what the right word is, but it highlights the work people aren't doing. If person A has problem B and person C has problem B and person A overcomes that, well, if person C doesn't overcome it, they're going to seek to hate on that person because they still have that problem. Or they're going to be inspired and say, hey, can you tell me what you did? This is what I did when I wanted to change. I found someone that had overcome my issues and I said, hey, this is inspiring. I want the change. Can you help me with that? And what do you know? It worked. That's true. Wow. That's so cool. So th this is another thing I kind of find as well is sometimes we get so focused on finding these problems because we're, I think there's a never ending supply of problems that you're going to find within yourself. How do you kind of, I guess, maintain that positive mindset when, uh, cause, cause I don't know how to explain it, but you still have a kind of that negative feeling when there's a problem like, Oh, I got to solve this or this sucks about me. How do I kind of stay positive? During that. Is it, does that kind of make sense? I'm of course. Understand that the obstacle is the path. You know, people seek to avoid things that are uncomfortable. They avoid things that are obstacles, but that's the opposite way through it. There is no way forward but through. That That's it, you know. Mm -hmm. And also, people consider themselves way too much. When they make decisions, they think about, well, how am I going to feel? How is this going to affect me? It's quite selfish. So if you think, okay, well, in early wake of time, I'm going to be tired. That's a me statement. You know, if I have to work out, I'm going to be sore. That's a me statement. If I have to eat right, I'm going to be hungry. That's a me statement. When you should be saying is I need enough time in my day to get everything done. I need to show the universe that I'm grateful for my existence. I need to present myself in a positive manner in order to inspire others. I need to be disciplined about my mind, body, and spirit. This is an outward projection. If you focus inward, you're going to think about your needs, wants, feelings, desires, and that's selfish. You know, we're always going to side with that. Uh, but in terms of keeping a positive mindset, well, you know, at some point, honestly, I cut to the root of the matter. I, I, I really, my guiding philosophy is that the fundamental tension of conscious existence is the foreknowledge that at some indeterminate point in the future, it's going to end. We are all mm -hmm. going to die and a lot sooner than you might think. So everything past that doesn't really matter. And what Western culture preaches and what this bullshit society preaches is the opposite. You are going to live forever. Your pleasure is the most important thing. Live your best life. Don't have FOMO. Go out. Do that thing. Don't miss out on any of that stuff, which is total insanity. I drank mm -hmm. from 14 to 34. There's nothing else for me to learn. Nothing. But there are people that are still, they drink themselves to death. They drink from early age until death, thinking that they're somehow going to learn something new from that. So I just cut to the root of the matter. I don't even think about anything else other than, than my time here is limited. Do what builds me, ignore everything else, and the, the obstacles are the path. So I just keep pushing.
You know, what, what, yeah. not also here's something else. Nothing worse can be done to me than what I have done and can do to myself. So really how bad is it? Yeah. And it brings up the question, uh, what, what are you want? What do you want to leave behind? That's the only question there is. Yeah. Our lifespan is 70, 77 years. And then humanity has been around for tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of years. And we'll probably go on for at least some more hundreds or thousands of years. So that's all there is, is what are you going to leave behind? Exactly. And what, what's your mark on history? And that's, so that's a, a kind of, I want to shift to more towards your work life because sometimes I think some people, they go work for like, let's say a company or something like that. And I would imagine it can get pretty hard to wonder like, Hey, what, what is the point of me doing this? Like, why, like, what am I really leaving behind? Because my job, they're just going to replace it later on. Like how, how valuable am I? And I think a lot of people, uh, have those thoughts when they're doing that. How, how do you kind of, I guess, still find meaning in the work you do? Oh, well, if you find meaning in who you are, then you'll find meaning in everything you do. But the truth is, Men are not expected to, should not work. A valuable man should not work in the traditional sense. When I mean work, I mean work for somebody else's goal, doing something that isn't fulfilling him. Now, if you have a positive mindset, if you are an abundant individual, you'll bring that sense to whatever mundane bullshit you're involved in. But the truth of the matter is what we are meant to do is to heal ourselves and teach others to do the same. Mm. and we're meant to follow our passions and our hobbies and our interests. And if you're not doing that, then yes, that's where a lot of work stress comes from because you're wasting your life. You're wasting your time. So there are two things to do here. The first is to take so much pride in everything you do that you take so much pride in everything you do. And what you do at work is a reflection of who you are. So you're obviously going to do it to the best of your ability, whether you like it or not. And the second thing is to become so valuable and so abundant that you are eventually paid to do what you love. And if you do those two things, then the work fears dissipate. I stopped having complaints about my job when I stopped having complaints about my life. That's, that's cool. <laughs> Most people can't say that. Yeah, it's because they haven't done the necessary work on themselves. If you have given yourself so much and you have imbued and invested so much in yourself, how on earth are you going to speak badly about anything you do? It's not possible. You're doing it. You have mm -hmm. given yourself such positivity that you are this incredible individual with so many internal assets and resources. How can you hate on anything you do? You're there. On the opposite side, if you are a weak individual, the individual I was, I would travel the world and I hadn't done anything for myself really. So everywhere I was, the saying is, wherever you go, there you are. Another way of saying it is, the world is not as it is, it is how we are. So whatever you perceive in the world is actually what you perceive in yourself. So if you're going through the world in a selfish manner, you're going to feel selfish. If you're going through the world in a, a negative manner, then you're going to feel negative. And if you're going through the world in a positive manner, it doesn't matter what you're doing. You're going to feel positive. And work is a big thing, especially in the West. It's like the organizing principle of one's life is what they do for a living. But that's not really what they're doing for a living. It's what they're doing to support somebody else. It's Yeah, it's true. And it reminds me, I mean, I said this on past few episodes too, but uh, I, I've been reading the Steve or listening to the Steve Jobs autobiography, and I mean he he had his problems as well. But what was fascinating about him was how he he loved what he was doing, <laughs> and 
he didn't really care about, I, I mean, it got to the point where he didn't care about other people, but he just loved doing what he did and just had such a passion for it that it created one of the biggest companies in the world. And For better or for worse, he did not care about other people. I know that he denied that he had a child and was very challenging in yeah. his personal life, but this is essentially what it takes to be someone of that magnitude. If you look closely enough at anybody in that level, they're going to be a totally fucked up individual. How could they not be? The heights of your success mirror the depths of your failure. That's how it works. And he was clearly extremely flawed on a personal level and extremely skilled in this, in this other level. So it's, it's true. It, where, yeah. where you put your attention matters as well. hundred percent. Like if you put all your attention towards, let's say a career or, family life or whatever it may be other things might start lacking and the trick is to uh the tricks to try and balance that but at the same time and this is something i've been thinking of you have to also unbalance it like well, if, i don't believe in balance at all balance is a cop-out that weak people invented to keep you in a low state Balance is something that weak people invented to make sure that you didn't get too strong. Because if you get strong, then they don't have power over you anymore. I don't preach balance. Balance is for <laughs> mentally ill people. The vast majority of people in this country have one to three of these issues. Anxiety, depression, obesity. So that would be a balance. You'd be a balanced individual if you had one, of one, two, or three of those issues. I don't really want that. Most people are on some sort of drugs. Alcohol is a drug. Uh, sugar is a drug, prescription drugs are drugs, weed, all these things are drugs. So that's a balanced life. That's something they invented just to enslave you. So I don't preach balance at all. I, mm. I don't want balance. Balance is horrifying. I want an extremely imbalanced, uh, ex I want an extreme life. Mm -hmm. And and yeah, it gives you variety, right? Like you kind of wake up one day and be like, all right, this is what I have to tackle today. And every day is a new new adventure. And How exciting is that? On the contrary. So I, I don't see it as such at all. I think that each day is essentially the same adventure. You know, it's hmm. people, because I used to seek new adventures. I would travel, I would go on all these grand voyages, or I'd go to the club. I'd seek a lot of hookups, you know, different people to sleep with, different women to sleep with. Um, I was looking, I was, I needed all these adventures, all different types of food and fancy shit and all these fine restaurants and whatnot, because I, I didn't have it within. But for me now, it's like, how can I do the fewest number of things really well every day? Um, and, uh, and yeah, so I don't know if that's what you meant by, by adventures, yeah. but the adventures I used to go on, they never got me anywhere. Hmm. No, it's true. And I think it also depends on the type of adventure too. Like, is it working for you or is it working against you? Absolutely. That's a good point because most of the adventures that people want to go on are these short-lived temporary highs. That's all it is. And then there's a crash. Now I'd be all fucked up on mushrooms and blow. It's totally beyond myself. I've collapsed at parties and just done the worst stuff and felt like I was on this adventure. And then the next day hit and the worst thing, I'd have panic mm -hmm. attacks and just <sighs> awful. Doesn't Yeah, it doesn't sound like a... A life that I mean, and that's the cool part is you recognize that and you like, hey, I think I need to make a change. <laughs> yeah. Right. So if for people listening for that, and maybe they're like kind of resonating with what you're saying here, how do they kind of, I guess, want to identify what it is they need to even change in the first place? Well, it takes a level of honesty. And I used regret as my guideline. You know, I was I was seeking happiness in the same place I lost it. So I would have these 
hookups and I would feel awful after. And then I'd think, okay, well, the next woman, I, you know, I find that that'll bring me happiness. Or I would go on these, I'd have these drug trips and okay, that was awful. You know, it's like that, the, the one-to-one correlation between getting drunk and having a hangover. It took me 20 years. That's how stupid I was. So everyone listening, don't think I'm hating on you. I was a dumbass for longer than you. I did worse stuff than all of you. So there, but for the grace of God, go I. But I finally correctly identified what I regretted. And using regret as my guideline, I simply eliminated everything that brought me regret. And what do you know? All that was left was things that built me. So the drugs brought me regret. Don't do that. The food brought me regret. Don't do that. The sleeping around brought me regret. Don't do that. The alcohol brought me regret. Don't do that. The not focusing on my work and everything else brought me regret. Don't do that. Not liking the way I looked in the mirror. So now I work out. So all of these things that I regretted, I eliminated. And folks listening, if you regret something and you have to be honest about it, I'm not talking about the feeling when you are drunk. I'm talking about the feeling afterwards. If you regret it, you gotta, you have to eliminate it. Period. It's, it's good, good advice to live by. And yeah, I like that you mentioned after the fact, like that's where the regret comes. Like when you're in it, sure, you feel great. But then that regret kind of takes over like, oh, maybe... Maybe I shouldn't have done this or was this really in my best interest? And It never is. It never is. People just take that live your best life lie of the, mm-hmm. of the two hours you feel good and then the two days you feel awful. And then they do things for two hours that they regret for two days and then they have two years or two lifetimes of regret. That's the karmic debt I've spoken about. Regret and karmic debt are identical. You live in a state of regret and you accrue karmic debt through negative acts. You're not going to be able to reduce your debt until you stop spending. So stop spending and start paying down your debt. And at the point in the future, you will be in a surplus and you'll be doing things like this. I didn't have social media. It's crazy. I post every day. I put my workouts and my nutrition. I, I give all this stuff on my, on my channel every day. Before when I was sick and fat and unhealthy and self-hating and suicidal, there's no way. I didn't have any social media. I was totally not proud of the person I was. And it's because I was in a shitload of karmic debt. And as I cleared that debt, now I have a surplus and now I'm finally able to give back. Thank God. That's good. <laughs> and I like that you relate it to debt because it takes a lot of pain and like work, right? You have to go work to pay down that debt. And it's uncomfortable. <laughs> it's not fun. And to to pay down that debt and uh, yeah, it, it's painful to... It's a lot of pain that's associated with it, but you can handle it. And at the end of the day, you're going to be thanking yourself. And like you said, you can then start sharing and be vulnerable with people like, Hey, I overcame this and just, and help other people too, that may be struggling with similar issues as whatever you may be. Yeah. You, you said pain, you know, pain is inescapable. It's unavoidable. It's part of the human condition. Which pain do you want? Do you want the pain of living an unfulfilled life and dying an unfulfilled death? I don't want that pain. I'll take the pain of waking up early, eating right, and working out. That's really all it is. That's all it is. That's all you have to do. If you do those three things, you are not able to do anything else. But people Mm -hmm. want to rationalize and justify their actions. And they want to go halfway and not all in. And I don't really, I don't want to do that. So then they end up fucking themselves because they only need it halfway. And then they think they can't change. They've convinced themselves that there's something wrong with them. No, there's something wrong with what you're doing. And to add to that, that pain compounds because like, like kind of what we were saying, 
let's say you were ignoring this pain and just kind of pushing it aside, hiding, if you will. Uh, it's still there, and it's just going to compound the next day. Whereas if you, I guess, choose to endure just a little bit of pain every single day, then you've, you've essentially paid, like, your debt for that day. Like, everyone has to encounter pain, and if you uh, decide, all right, today I'm just going to be happy, you know, just do whatever, then that pain catches up for tomorrow, and it starts accumulating it, right? And it compounds on itself, and yeah, that... That's just kind of how I thought about it. But to you're right, and rent there. is due daily. If you're if you're alive today, that means you need to do something to show gratitude today. If you're dead today, well, then there's nothing else you can do. But if you are living today, you owe the world world a debt. I wake up and I owe the world a debt of gratitude. So I have to show that. I have to perform, and not perform like a stage actor. I need to I need to practice gratitude. And gratitude is action. So you have to act grateful. You can't just say it. You have to act grateful and show, demonstrate, perform gratitude practice. And that's what mindset training is. That's what my program is. This is what we do every day in, in helping ourselves and helping others. That's, that's the difficult part is the, uh, the action behind it. Because, right, it's easy to say it, but then once, <laughs> once it actually comes to acting, like putting yourself to actually doing it, there's a lot of challenges that come with it and you hundred percent. But what people need you, the most critical thing to realize it's actually less difficult than living a pained existence. I've done both people that have only lived a pain existence will say, well, this thing seems intimidating and the happy go lucky cupcake people who have never struggled. Well, they think, well, there's, it's not difficult for me to take action. You know, I, I've not burdened with any childhood issues. I had a great family growing up, very stable life and, I'm fit and athletic and good looking. So I don't, you know, never deal, dealt with any drug or food or relationship issues. So why is taking action difficult? I'm taking action all the time. I'm a, I'm a solid individual. It's only the person that has done both that was in the darkness, not acting and is now acting in the light that can accurately describe it. And I, having done that, I can say it is more difficult to be inactive than it is to be active and uncomfortable. The comfortable inactive person that is the that's the toughest thing. And people think that it's too painful. People that refuse to change actually have the highest pain tolerance because they refuse to do the thing that will lessen that psychic, emotional, spiritual, internal pain, that awful, nagging, horrible mental challenge that I had. That's the most painful state on earth. So when people tell me, oh, I, you know, it's too hard to do this. It's too painful to do that. I'm like, dude, you're already there. You're already dealing with that pain. This other thing is not nearly as painful. <laughs> I know. I've done it both. I'll wake up at 4 a.m. for the rest of my life before I go back to that hellish pained existence. Hmm. Wow. That's, that's profound, too. That 4, 4 a.m. too. I, Every day. Almost three. <laughs> it'll be three years in January. That's amazing, man. I, that's so cool. I, I'm in the 5 a.m. club, so not as You got as most people you. beat, homeboy. You got 99% <laughs> of people beat. So, yeah, it's, but it's, yeah, like you said, I, I don't know. And I also, I kind of do it because I just like, I, I find myself, I function better in mornings. Everyone does. We had to, it's evolutionary. <laughs> we had to get up with the sun before the sun. There was a fire to build. This modern world has only existed for some hundreds of years. Humans have hundreds of thousands. And I'm sorry, I don't mean to trigger any younger yeah. out there. But we have hundreds of thousands of evolutionary 
things. So our bodies are coded to do these things. And then it was short circuited when we were pushing the cities, you know, in the last half millennia. So that's why it feels good to be physically active and to wake up early and to eat right, because that's what we did forever. It's true. I, I've never thought of it like that too. And that's a lot of my philosophy comes from the evolutionary standpoint behind what we do, whether it be evolutionary through like the mitochondria uh, DNA process or like, I'm actually more interested in cultural evolutions, how we evolved culturally uh, to do the things we do now versus the way we used to do things. And it, it can't be discounted. As a species, we have evolved in a lot of different ways. And the cultural evolution of the current species is just based on the most sickening, addictive tendencies of humanity and is totally divorced from any of the holistic, spiritual, cultural healing tendencies that kept us sustained. Like there were wild animals. We had rituals about the seasons that were not about what bullshit you were going to buy. Now, you know how we know the seasons are changing? Because the bullshit that we are expected to buy changes. That's the cultural signifier. It used to be, okay, well, the summer harvest is in. We need to be sure that we do these things uh, food is very important. We need to prepare the food because it's going to be very cold and very dark and nothing is going to grow. So we don't preserve our, our fruit, vegetables and meat. We're not going to have that during the winter. So let's make sure we have these harvest things in which we are bringing everything in and preparing for the long, cold, dark winter. Like these are things that sustained us. Now we have access to all this bullshit 24-7. So it's just about which different color sugar cube am I going to shove down my throat? You know, it's, it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's fucking ridiculous. It makes no sense apart from the fact that it's the best thing to keep you a slave, to keep you a slave pacified to the powers that be like Frank Zappa <laughs> said, just smart enough to do a job and just dumb enough not to ask any questions. That's what you are pre being prepared to do. Mm. That's, that's true. We, we are for sure driven by consumerism today. That's <laughs> the only choice left. What choice do you have in your life? What, what choice do you have? You don't really have much. You can choose from all these different options, but you didn't choose the options themselves. The options were chosen for you. So it's a false paradigm. So you, oh, you can be anything you want to be. Well, who's deciding what I can be? All of these different things. I didn't sign up for this bullshit. I didn't sign up for any of this. Did you? And there's no outside to go to. There's no alternate thing to go to. So the only thing we can do is to create these options within ourselves. The society is never going to offer us the options we desire, but we can offer ourselves those options. Do you want to be a internally abundant individual? Do you want to be a positive individual? Do you want to be a reliable individual? Society says, live your best life. What happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Brunch served all day. All this bullshit, it's not going to get us anywhere. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, you said that beautifully. I, and on the food stuff, because you work with food, don't you? Like pretty yeah. regularly. That's there's something that reminds me. I, I heard this kind of to put a business perspective on this is, you know, it's bad when processed food is cheaper than natural, like organic, like food that actually comes from its source <laughs> type of thing. Yeah, it's set up like an way. apple off a an apple off a tree costs more than like an apple flavored whatever and that's mind-boggling <laughs> i mean it makes sense uh, it, it makes a lot of sense but yeah the, the food is the is the organizing it's the it's the foundational thing of culture because you can speak whatever language and be from wherever but the food is, is the thing that has always brought people together literally and the way that we deal with it is is wild i mean there, i live in new york city there's a 
a poison outlet on every block, multiple. It's terrible. We are so disconnected from what used to sustain us. And it's, it's depressing, but there is a way to, to claw our power back. And I did so after I figured out how to eat properly to get fit. And I figured out how to rescue food in order to help people in New York City who are starving. Then I realized how to heal myself. You know, the broken food system mirrors our own broken internal system. And this country produces uh, one third of all food that's produced in this country is thrown out. This is insane. A million people went hungry in New York last year. This is just symptoms of, of, a, of a very sick society. And it starts with how we interact with food. The man or woman that interacts with food well does not waste food in their own life and does not get wasted in their own life is there, thereby able to project that outward. That's what I'm doing. I think that's cool. And I, I want to keep going down this. I didn't know that number that a third of like food that's produced is wasted. And that's from the USDA. That's not some, from some leftist leftist hippie. That is from the U S department of agriculture, the, the governing body that says, Hey, you know, eat this sugar mm-hmm. and the food pyramid with all the, the carbs and eat a ton of bread and pasta at the bottom, because that's what U S farmers are growing. It's the whole thing is corrupt, but that they're the ones coming out and saying that we waste a third of the food. It's crazy. So how, I guess, do you suggest, I mean, let's say we gave you this unlimited power to like kind of change that. How would we, uh, I guess, decrease that? Sure. So, you know, if I was ruler of the universe, there's some things I would do at the top down level, but that's impossible. So instead, I'll tell you what everyone listening can do at the grassroots level. Wherever you live, there's food going to waste. So what I would do to empower people at the local level, if I had a magic wand to, to wave and have people you know, change the earth is I would encourage, or rather I would force create a system in which everyone in every neighborhood in every city or town, suburban area in this country went to their local supermarket and asked someone on duty, what do you all do with food that is edible, but is unable to be sold. And without taking no for an answer, I would continue to, cause this is what I did in New York. You work your way to the decision maker, the person that oversees food that is edible, but unsaleable. And then I would find a local soup kitchen, food pantry, anti-hunger organization that is able to pick up. And I would say, hey, uh, Kroger's, Safeway, ShopRite, Pathmark, whatever it is at this location is going to put the food out that is edible but unsaleable. Make sure you have a driver there. That's what I would do. I would show people how it's possible to organize food rescue anywhere you are in this country. And if we did that, we would stop food from being thrown out. Now that doesn't solve the issue, which is that more food is being produced than needed, but that solves the, stops the bleeding. It creates action at the ground, ground level, at the grassroots level. But yeah, if I had unlimited power, I would stop the subsidies for corn and soybeans, which allows processed bullshit in everything we eat. I would encourage small farmers and create land grants to allow small farmers to cultivate uh, land in a traditional way. And I would just educate people on, on what it means to eat seasonally and eat locally. Nobody should be having, it's called a spring chicken for a reason. That's when chickens were slaughtered. That's when they was expected mm-hmm. to be eaten. You know, you're not supposed to eat berries in winter. Berries are coming in from Peru. This is insanity. It's insane. You're eating poop. Like everyone listening, if you have blueberries in the U.S. on the East Coast during winter, you're likely eating them from Peru. Think about that. Like, this is totally fucked up. This is totally <laughs> fucked up. But what everyone can do is to find, and even if there are restaurants, go to your favorite restaurant. At the end of the night, there's some food that they can't keep for the next day. I started my, I cut my teeth in food rescue 
uh, rescuing sheets of bread from the restaurant. I was a, a waiter in my early 20s. Oh, nice. And at the end of every shift, this delicious bread, uh, pans of bread, this thick, were thrown out, sometimes entire pans. So obviously you have to cook the whole pan in order to get one slice. So if the remainder of a pan is thrown out, there isn't much to do. But these would be entire sh sheets. So I started filling uh, black garbage bags from the kitchen with this bread and going to the local um, homeless encampment under the overpass and distributing it there. And that's where I got my start. I was 23 or 24. And it's only picked up from there. Every restaurant, every supermarket, every food that has, every business that has food is wasting food. So everyone listening has the ability to go there, find out where the waste is and link that waste to a local food rescue organization or become that food rescue organization yourself. Rescue it yourself. Have one of your home homeboys do it, one of your cousins or one of your people do it and go distribute it to people who are hungry. Agreed. That's that's the thing is, I mean, people are going hungry. And I mean, we have, like you said, we have more than enough. Like we should, we should give <laughs> and give towards those uh, organizations that do that. I, I do have... I guess kind of, I guess kind of a one point on the other end, you said the we overproduce food. I'm a little confused about that because I think, isn't that kind I mean, obviously it's contributing towards obesity and things like that, but couldn't that be a good thing? Because that means we can feed, like we're capable of feeding more. If one, if that one third of food that hit the dumpster instead of hitting people's stomachs, went to be consumed elsewhere i'm okay with that but it isn't the issue is the waste you know if if um you know one million pounds of food are being produced and a third of a million pounds of food are going to the dumpster that's an issue mm -hmm. if one million pounds of food are being produced and two-thirds of that are going to the u.s and one-third is being given away abroad well that's better than the current situation that's true and i i, I the like waste that. Is the problem the production numbers, but the system would collapse. And I, I talked about this in one of my, my um, videos that if we stopped wasting food tomorrow, the economic system would collapse. And that's why waste is a part of our system. If that wasn't produced, it means it wouldn't be purchased. If that isn't purchased, the money is removed from the economic sector and the system collapses. That's why it's, it's a pipe dream until we fundamentally restructure the way we deal with this, this food system. Wait, how, how would the whole system collapse? I so food production represents a, a large part of the economic structure. So let's say the economy was a yeah, dollar. Yeah. I don't know how much food is, but it's a good portion. I don't know how many cents it is, but it's some number of cents. If one third of those cents of the food part of the dollar was no longer produced, it means it was no longer purchased. If it's no longer purchased, those dollars are being removed from the economy. Mm. This economy okay. is based on consumption, whether it's consumed by being purchased and thrown out, or it's consumed actually being ingested. Waste, look at debt. Debt is a, the average American has 60 something thousand dollars in debt. If mm -hmm. that debt was rendered, was defaulted upon, the system would collapse. Debt is a part of our system. Waste is a part of our system. I would go as far as to say that waste is our system. This system is predicated on waste. How frequently do you throw out clothing? How frequently do you throw out appliances? How frequently do you throw out food? If all that was conserved, it means it wouldn't have been produced. If it isn't produced, there goes the economy. That's true. And I mean, and if I, I'm going to add something to this, that kind of from the entrepreneurial side, you should try and build things that build things that last, 
right? And can last a long time so then people aren't throwing up. And just overall, great product, right? Yeah, but, you know, um, planned obsolescence is a big part, too. You know, What's planned that? Obsoles- planned obsolescence. So this this is it is planned to be obsolete in a certain number of years. That way, it's true. The consumer has to purchase a new a new version of it. But it didn't used to be that way. My my grandparents they had appliances that lasted 40, 50 years, literally. You know, it's That's... such a thing as unthinkable now because people need you have to buy more. We have to keep the gears turning. But all of these are very large issues. And I used to be extremely caught up in these large issues about the system and the economy. And the interesting thing was, until I got into my own large issues, I couldn't do anything. I was just caught up in thinking about these large issues. Now I not only think about them and speak about them, but I act on them. And that's what people miss. A lot of people in New York City, so-called activists, are the least active people I've ever met. They're (laughs) active in talking. That's all they're acting in talking. They're not actually taking action. And I, I try not to dunk on them too much, but I really do because an activist needs to be active. But most of them, mm-hmm. like me, can't do a pull-up. I was more I was prouder of the first pull-up uh I did than when I got my undergraduate degree. That's I didn't so cry cool. at my graduation, but I burst into tears the first time I did a pull-up. That's real talk. You know, there's certain actions that really mean stuff, and then there's just everyone else sitting around talking about the system and talking about how oppressed we are. I don't play that shit anymore. I think that's so cool. Again, I mean, just, I love how you just get straight to the point. And I mean, you're just so real, right? You just speak your mind freely in it. And I think that contributes as well as you are free because you're not letting some of these other things hold you down. And I think that's, that's really cool. (laughs) No one can do anything to me that I don't, that I, uh, don't allow them to do that nobody can nobody can do anything to anyone that is not so i appreciate yeah. that but there's i was living a lie for a long time i was fake for a long time now that i'm living the truth i can only be real because i know in being fake again i would bring myself massive issues that's awesome well well john i appreciate you coming on and sharing this i i know i've learned a lot i, di- I didn't know a lot of these things and it helped me work some things through my mind as well and I'm sure the audience as well appreciate it. So if people want to reach out to you, find you, whatever it may be, what's the best way they can do that? Folks can get in touch with me via IG at NYC Foodways. That's NYC F-O-O-D-W-A-Y-S. Mindset training, nutrition, workouts. Guys, keep in mind, I was morbidly obese. I had never touched a weight in my life, and I did not own a food scale. I was thinking about killing myself. I made no money. I lived on the fifth floor of a shitty walk-up on essentially Heroin Alley or Methadone Alley. There's a bunch of methadone clinics where I used to live. I was the lowest of the low. Your situation is not impossible, but if you keep telling yourself it is, you will never grow. That's what I'm here for. I'm here for you. Don't hesitate. Reach out. You can see what results I've gotten for myself and my clients. Hit me up. We will grow together. That's awesome. Yeah, and for those of you listening like reach out to John. I'm sure he'd be happy to help you. Well, thank you. Thank you again, John. I appreciate the knowledge that you shared with us. As you can tell, that was John Katz. He's a very intelligent person, has great things to share. I challenge you guys, if anything spoke to you, to reach out to him. He is more than willing to reach out with you. He even afterwards, I know I should have been recording, but he uh, wanted me to reach out to him on Instagram. And I, I know for sure I will because he is 
like I said in the introduction, he is the most real person. He'll just tell you how it is. Stay tuned till next week. We have a great guest lined up for you guys. See you guys next week, and let's get after it. Hey everyone, if you liked this episode and would like to hear more, be sure to hit that subscribe or follow button. We release a new episode every Wednesday for you guys to listen to. Thank you guys so much for the support that you give. We could not have done this without you guys. If you would like to be a potential guest on the show, check out intelligentconvos.com and fill out the form there. Thank you guys again, and let's get after it.